America's symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. And welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Now at episode 109, and I am feeling fine here. Of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. As it is time, guys, we have finished up 1987 of the World Wrestling Federation, and we move ahead. Yes, indeed, this week we begin 1988 in the WWF, and it all kicks off with the first week of television January TV here in 1988, including Saturday Night's Main Event. But before we get to any of that, guys, I gotta wish you all a happy Thanksgiving! (laughs) Yes, indeed, happy Turkey Day. Hope you guys use this episode of The Grenade, perhaps on your venture to or from the family. Be safe out there on the roads. Or maybe you're staying at home and you're cooking the meal, like Ray Russell. Maybe you can use this episode to listen to while you're in there preparing the turkey, popping in those pumpkin pies, or if Gorilla Monsoon had it his way, the peanut butter pie! And of course, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without the lovely soundbite from Mean Gene Oakland. Pass the fucking potatoes! Yes, indeed. Pass those fucking potatoes. But before we get going here this week, guys, just a friendly reminder that you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, as well as sister shows like the Wrestling Stoop, with the legend himself, Bob Roop. Bob sharing all sorts of stories from throughout his career, not just about himself, but about everyone he encountered along the way. Of course, in the ring and backstage stories, Great stuff. Just heard a couple of awesome Terry Funk stories last week on The Stoop. More to come this week. I believe Bob's going to talk about wrestling on the major holidays and a guy he seems to have a lot of admiration for, the Junkyard Dog. So it's going to be another fun trip as we pop a squat on The Wrestling Stoop this week. So check it out. You can listen to The Grenade, The Wrestling Stoop, the regional wrestling podcast where we talk the territories. Of course, the Memphis Continental Wrestling Cast also coming this week to the brand. Going to drop Saturday morning, November 25th, the Memphis Continental Wrestling Cast with host Luke Jennings coming. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys, for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network because I'm constantly adding old-school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. Lots of pictures just added this week. Lots of old-school pictures, I should point out. And you can follow me on social media. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter. You can follow me there at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Rasslin Grenade. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Rasslin Grenade. And of course, now would be a tremendous time. Heading into the holidays, I'm asking you guys to give it a try. Talking about that $5 all-access tier, maybe it's time to become a WrestleCopia patron. Yes, indeed. All sorts of gifts for just 5 bucks over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. And you may be asking, what do those gifts include, Ray? 
Well, I'm about to tell you. It includes all of my insanely detailed show notes. We're talking pages and pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, you'll get remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show here, talking about that 1989 NWA project. Yes, indeed, includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation never heard before. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Just dropped another Baker's Dozen, another 13 digital downloads this week, focusing on the years of 1991 and 1992. Plus, you'll also get random bonus video drops. And of course, that Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW events. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Please show your support. If you have a few bucks to spare, you're looking to support that next up-and-coming podcast brand, please consider making it WrestleCopia. Just give it a try for a month, guys. I think you'll like the content that I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into paying the bills to keeping the WrestleCopia podcast network and all of the wonderful podcasts here up and running for the months and the years to come. And now with all of that said, all of that out of the way, what time is it, Mean Gene? You say it's time to what? Pass the fucking potatoes! Oh, Gene, we're still a few hours off from that. But right now, it's time to jump into the year of 1988 in the World Wrestling Federation. And this week, we're going to tackle week one of January in 88. Now, if you guys are wondering how we're going to structure the month of January here, it's so much going on. Saturday night's main event, first ever Royal Rumble. We've got five weeks of TV. And of course, I always break down the news and the house show results as well. Well, this is tentatively what we're looking at right now. Week one, obviously this week, we're going to tackle the first week covering Saturday night's main event. Next week, we're going to take a look at the news and results portion of January 88 in the WWF. From there, we're on to another two weeks of WWF TV covering weeks two and three of January 88. Then it's off to the Royal Rumble. Yes, indeed, the first ever Royal Rumble on the USA Network airing January 24th. Looking forward to that one. And then we're going to close things out with another two weeks of WWF TV. So Yes, indeed, a busy January 1988 right out of the gate. No time for sleep here, Ray Russell. So let's jump into things. And right away, it's a little easy going early on in this episode because the January 2nd and January 3rd edition of Superstars and Wrestling Challenge are simply a 1987 year in review show. So not a lot of new content here, a little bit, and some sound bites coming, guys. So stay tuned in just a couple of minutes. But Unlike last year, featuring a host, we saw Bobby Heenan and Gorilla sitting at the primetime desk for Wrestling Challenge, Vince McMahon up in the rafters for superstars to host the year-in-review shows. This year, it's more of a magazine-style episode as we simply go from segment to segment, Vince McMahon and Gorilla Monsoon doing the voiceovers covering their TV shows, respectively, Vince for Superstars, Gorilla for Challenge. And we get a little bit of everything here, from the tag team title change of the Hart Foundation over to Strike Force to the Demolition feud with Kim Patera and Billy Jack Haynes, and more so putting Demolition over as a rising team here in the WWF. We take a look at the IC title change from Steamboat to Honky Tonk, Bam Bam Bigelow's impressive arrival here, the Pile Driver album videos, clips from the Slammy Awards, lots of clips, in fact, from the recent feuds, including Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the King Harley Race, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine, even a little clip here of Danny Davis and Sam Houston. 
Uh, we're reminded of the evil deeds of the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, everything he's done since arriving here in the company, and most recently, his attempt to purchase the WWF title. And of course, we all know, as of last episode of The Grenade, Hulk Hogan's response. Hell no! Hell no, brother. And how can we forget also we take a look at the formation of the Mega Powers back in October. Haven't seen a lot from these two together since that time, but stay tuned, guys. A reminder also that Saturday night's main event is indeed tonight, January 2nd, as we go back and watch King Kong Bundy defeat Hulk Hogan at the last SNME back in November. Bundy winning the match on a countout, all thanks to Bobby Heenan's interference. Bobby on the outside grabbing the Hulkster by the leg, preventing him from getting back in the ring in time. Bundy winning the matchup, although the title did not change hands on said countout. And of course, from there, Hulk Hogan's revenge, supposedly injuring the neck of the brain as he picked him up and slammed him down repeatedly after the matchup. And of course, Bobby now once again back in that neck brace. So he's getting some good use out of those. But I know what you guys tuned in here for this week. It's the question on everybody's mind. As right now, we are treated to an update with Craig DeGeorge as we continue to ponder, where, oh, where has Matilda gone? I want to update you on the search for Matilda. And yes, unfortunately, that search is still on. Just where the 65-pound cuddly bulldog is, we are not sure. We do know, though, with videotape proof, in fact, that the bulldog's mascot was last seen a week ago, ringside, until Bobby Heenan's Islanders decided to do something about that. The Bulldogs underway trying to find Matilda the Islanders. Obviously, this doesn't appear to be a case we have to call the FBI in for. Matilda was ringside. The Islanders then took her, period. Well, unfortunately, it is not that easy, though, because the accused say they're not guilty. Hey, I'll be honest with you right now. The three of us, we don't know where Matilda is. We didn't do nothing with the dog. I'll tell you exactly what happened, though. That miserable, no-good, flea-infested mutt <laughs> is a menace to society and human beings. She's probably half rabid. All we did was take her away from ringside for your own safety. And then when we set her down in the dressing room area, she turned on the three of us. We took off out the back door. The last time I saw that flea-infested creature, I looked over my shoulder. She was woofing at my heels. We just kicked into high gear and kept on going. As far as her whereabouts or Matilda, we could care less. We don't know where she is. Well, neither do the British Bulldogs, and right now, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid care only about one thing, the safe return of Matilda. You know, we don't believe Bobby Heenan for one minute. All the Islanders, they said they don't know the whereabouts of Matilda. But we think that Bobby Heenan and the Islanders know where Matilda is because we looked all over the Coliseum, we looked all over the outside the arena, we had the security guys looking. We even had wrestling fans looking. We could not find Matilda. We love Matilda. British Bulldogs love Matilda. And please, Islanders, please, Bobby Heenan, please give Matilda back to the British Bulldogs. Bobby Heenan, we know that you took the dog. We know you got the dog. Please return the dog to the... Please give the dog back to the British Bulldogs. Matilda's like a little child. We love that little dog. Please, Islanders, give the dog back. Update also contacted World Wrestling Federation President Jack Tunney to get the official word on the matter. We at the World Wrestling Federation do not condone the recent activities as relates to Matilda. My office is currently investigating the matter. 
If Matilda's whereabouts are not known within one week's time, the appropriate steps will be taken. That obviously is a warning, a warning directed at Bobby Heenan and his Islanders, as President Tunney wastes no time taking action for a quick and healthy return of Matilda. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. Well, there it is. Lots to soak in there. We go back, we, we sadly relive the dog napping of Matilda, the bulldog, the mascot of the British Bulldogs by the Islanders and Bobby the Brain Heenan. They seemingly run out of the arena with Matilda, though we can't prove it just yet. Islanders responding, Bobby Heenan, basically, they don't know where Matilda is. Bulldogs pleading, pleading, please return the lovely Matilda. And then President Jack Tunney going to chime in. He's not going to have any of this while they review the situation because apparently the video didn't show enough, huh, Jack? Tunney has given Bobby Heenan and his Islanders one week to respond and let them know the whereabouts of Matilda, or they will indeed be perhaps suspended from the World Wrestling Federation. Certainly a fine will be levied, but an indefinite suspension for dog napping here in the WWF. That's what I support. So we'll have to wait just another week here on TV to see what happens. Will Matilda magically turn up? Or will Bobby Heenan keep playing this game? And to close out superstars for January 2nd, remember I mentioned tonight, it's Saturday night's main event. And the rematch between Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy, right now we're going to go here from both sides of that feature matchup. It's King Kong Bundy with Andre the Giant in his corner here tonight. And he's taking on the WWF champion, Hulk Hogan. Well, you know, a lot of my Hulkamaniacs have already been driving me crazy with the question, Holster, how are you going to start out 1988? Well, you know, my reply is, this weekend, man, I can't think of a better way than to start 1988 out with a double bang. This weekend, I've got King Kong Bundy coming after the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight title, and in his corner, man, there's that big, nasty, seven-foot-four Andre the Giant officially there. The way I figure, Hulkamaniacs, if I can get King Kong Buddy right where I want him and beat him right in the center of the ring, that'll make Andre the Giant mad enough to charge the center of the ring just where I can scoop him up in the launch position. And then me and all my Hulkamaniacs can start 1988 out with a double bang. Bundy and that big nasty giant. Well, Hogan, this weekend it's all for you. My physician has advised me that I cannot accompany King Kong Bundy to ringside. Well, that's fine. You're not going to outsmart me, because I'm going to have this man, seven foot five foot, Andre the Giant, over 500 pounds, in the corner this weekend of King Kong Bundy. And you'll be facing the only two men in the history of the sport of professional wrestling that has ever defeated you. Andre the Giant in WrestleMania three, and King Kong Bundy this weekend. You see, Hulkamania is dead. Bundy All right, and both sides sound ready. But before we get to Saturday night's main event, just real quick, guys, we're going to jump ahead a couple of days and tackle this week's edition of Primetime Wrestling. And Primetime back on Monday night this week. So off we go, January 4th edition of Primetime Wrestling.
right, so here we are. Not a year in review show, I should mention here. Hosted by Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan here as we head off to the intro and ring in the new year. And Bobby Heenan, already on a roll. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of Primetime Wrestling for 1988. Brain, this has got to be better for you than 1987. 1987 was disastrous. Wasn't a great year, no. Still got that horse collar on and... And you're no, still grilling me about a dog? No, Stay yeah. off that subject. Oh, yeah. I would have come back last week, but I was busy. I was detained yeah, at, I'm sure at you a were. party. You, you didn't want to be humiliated. So you left that other piece of garbage, that million-dollar piece of garbage, Ted DiBiase. Don't ever do that. Don't ever send in somebody unannounced. When you're the host, you can do whatever please, you want. Please, give me a break. What a lineup we've got here for you here this week on Primetime Wrestling. Of course, our feature, two big guys. Patera? I didn't say Patera. Oh, you said lineup, I figured. I had to do with Patera. Feature match. Oh, I thought you were talking about a The fast food jail. king from your family. King Kong Bundy. Against Bam Bam Nobody. Bam Bam Bigelow, one of the big stars to emerge here in the World Wrestling Federation in 1977, or 1987, and I'm sure it will continue on in 1988. Also, we'll be taking a look at the policeman of the World Wrestling Federation, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. A policeman. You know how dumb he is, Duggan? Now, this guy can't see. He's got one eye watching you and one's watching the fly. When we were in Atlantic City, he lost his whole family fortune. He spent four hours out front playing a parking meter. Please, give me a break. You didn't lose any fortune. You you went for about $3, and that was it. You kidding? I cleaned him out. That's yeah. my good friend Mike. You, you tried to buy the donkey, I understand. Coming up right now, Hacksaw Jim Duggan against the big guy, the Samoan Sika. Let's go to ringside. So right out of the gate, 1988, Bob Heenan already on a roll here. Hosting primetime, great lines, uh, multiple one-liners there, great stuff there, uh, Bobby attacking Hacksaw Jim Duggan, just fun stuff from the brain, and so much more ahead. As primetime pushes on, though, Gorilla Monsoon questioning the brain. We go to an update segment, Craig DeGeorge, it's a repeat of the Matilda situation, and here it is, Gorilla grilling the brain on the whereabouts of the Bulldog. What did you do with Matilda, brain? Nothing. What do you mean, Nothing. I'll tell you the honest truth. <laughs> It'll be a first. That dog was frothing. The dog's a vicious animal. It's an attack dog. It went for me. We carried that dog out of the Tampa Sun Dome, went out back, set it down. When I set it down, the thing turned on me. I kicked it in high gear and left. It's the last you I saw the dog. Myself. Certainly a little bit bent out of shape. President Jack Tunney, the World Wrestling Federation, I wonder what he's exactly got in mind. He's not uh, above levying those heavy fines, Brain. Well, hey, I never touched the dog. The Islanders did, not me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying Under to blame on Under your direction. But the dog was a, an attack dog. The dog was trying to attack me. Why would you even go near it if it's an attack dog? I stood in the ring. I'm a licensed manager. That ring is no place for an animal. And that vicious beast went after me. But I, I don't know where it went. You I realize you think of it as a lying. child. You think you of it as, as, as it a family is. member. It and is. It's, it's, it's sad that you don't have your doggy now. I think But it'll... I don't know where your doggy is. Go buy a stuffed doggy. Carry it with you every place. Wear it. Get off my back. I don't it doesn't turn up very shortly. Uh, you're in for some rude awakenings. Batteries some, not included. Some cash, I understand. Cash? Well, will come out of your If he pocket. wants money for, for, for that dog, I'll give him a buck and a half. I don't care. So Bobby Heenan says, she tried to attack me backstage. We simply put her down and never saw the mutt again. Well, Bobby, I don't know if that's going to fly with the Bulldogs or President Jack Tunney. We'll have to wait and see what transpires 
in the next couple of weeks here on WWF TV. But we got one more soundbite. But we got one more soundbite here on primetime, guys. Before we move on to Saturday night's main event, yes, indeed, we have more news on this thing called the Royal Rumble. Sunday, January 24th, the night of the big happening, the Royal Rumble. From Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Cops Coliseum. <clears throat> I'm going to be there doing the commentary. You hosting, are. Hosting, hosting. Oh, hosting, yes. Uh, just like your host here on this program. Exactly. You and me. It's going to be an outstanding night, a most unique night, uh, a match uh, one of a kind, so to speak, uh, Royal Rumble. I, I don't understand the Royal Rumble. You don't understand? Nobody's it. made it clear to me yet. Let Can me you explain. do it? Well, let me try to explain it to you, Brain. You start out with 20 of the top wrestlers here in the World Wrestling Federation, each of which picks a number from 1 to 20 out of a hat, so to speak. No one knows who has what numbers. Number 1 and 2 start the match off by entering the ring at the same time, and the match begins. A timekeeper is on hand, and every two minutes, the next number has to go in. Number 3 will go in after two minutes has expired. And after four minutes has expired, number four will go in. At the same time, the action is going on in the ring. Guys may be eliminated at any point in time by being thrown over the top and onto the concrete floor. So like Jake the, Rob Jake the Snake Roberts could be number one, one-man gang could be number two. They start right. the match. They start. <clears throat> then the king could be three. Possibly, right? yes. Okay, then um, Danny Davis could be four. Right. So that could be like three against one on uh, Jake the Snake. What do you mean three against one? Well, they could try to eliminate him. But then you got another guy coming in two minutes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It's a very unique type match and very different and very interesting and dangerous, to say the least. That's only one of the big matches. I know. On January 24th. Some of the matches are your guys, Ravishing Rick Rude, against probably the toughest competition to date for him, the Dragon. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Well, he's a great athlete. He's in great shape, but he uh, just doesn't have it. Another match concerning some of your family members, the Islanders. That's right. Taking on the Young Stallions, Paul Roma and Jim Powers. A couple punks that have really been shooting off their mouths. they got a couple victories under their belt. Now they think they're riding high in this world of professional wrestling. Ladies tag team title match also on hand for January 24th. A beauty. The Jumping Bomb Angels, who already have a victory on national television over the Glamour Girls. This is a two out of three fall event. And it's for the title. Absolutely. Their victory was non-title, though. That well, it was non-title, yes. Well, they're not the champions. And a chance for Dino Bravo, the reigning, well, former Canadian heavyweight champion. He may still be the Canadian heavyweight champion. I'm not sure. But he's going to try to step in that ring and create a new world's record in the bench press for 700 pounds plus. Wait a minute, he's going to bench press 700 pounds? Well, he's got to do 720 about to break the record. Oh, I thought he was just going to, like, military press it. No, bench press. Bench press. Who do you know that military presses 720 pounds? Hercules. Oh, please, give me a break. That's all coming up Sunday night, January 24th. It'll be right here on the USA Network, a free attraction. You going to be the, how, how are you going to be the host? I'm going to be the host. Well, you're looking at right there the world's heavyweight champion, the Hulkster, and you forgot to mention what an important part he's playing Sunday, January 24th at 7 o'clock in the evening. I refuse to say anything about him. Well, your mm -hmm. guy's involved. A special, very special, I might add, interview between the Hulkster and Andre the Giant. Hey, Obviously, we, you know what's going on with that. Maybe we can just settle everything on the 24th of January right there. Maybe Hogan will get on and admit to everybody 
that he, was, that he was defeated in WrestleMania three. Please. And he'll hand over that title to Andre. He was not defeated. What, what do you mean he was defeated? As far as I'm concerned, the referee counted three. But they're going to have a live interview. A live interview. Together. Yes. Face to face. You watch this one, pal. Well, <laughs> we said it. It's going to be a happening January 24th. So Bobby Heenan, at this point, announces that he's going to be on commentary for the Royal Rumble event. Gorilla Monsoon was also slated to do so as well. Now, that's going to completely change as the weeks progress, and we'll get into that when we get there. But new matches announced this week. We learned Ravishing Rick Rude will be taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Could be fun. Also, the Islanders now scheduled to take on the Young Stallions. Maybe the replacement match. Remember last week they announced it was Demolition versus the Killer Bees. Seems kind of tag team heavy on the undercard because we also have the two out of three falls ladies tag team title matchup. The Glamour Girls defending against the Jumping Bomb Angels. Also, Dino Bravo going to try to break that 700-plus pound bench press record. Bobby Heenan with that line about Hercules gorilla pressing 700 pounds over his head. So more matches announced this week. And, of course, we have the 20-man Royal Rumble. Gorilla Monsoon breaking the rules down right there. Seemed like they had it right out of the gate. And then of special note, we learned there's going to be a special interview with both Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant in the ring simultaneously. At this point, it's referred to as a special interview. Now, that storyline, too, will progress heading into the Rumble, so stay tuned there, guys. And next week, Primetime Wrestling going to be a special Tuesday night edition. What makes it special? Well, it's on Tuesday. And as the credits begin to roll, I wrote, Bummer! Director this week, Kerwin Silfies. And in case you're wondering, yes, this is where they got the name Kerwin White for the Chavo Guerrero character. Kerwin Silfies, a longtime employee of the WWF. He's director this week, and the reason I say bummer because if you guys remember on last week's episode, the director was Joel Watts, the son of Cowboy Bill Watts. So it appears Joel may already be gone from the company. I know it was a short stay. So I guess we can say so long, Joel, we hardly knew ye. Exclusives this week on Primetime saw the WWF Ladies Champion Sensational Sherry pin Velvet McIntyre. Match goes about 14 and a half minutes. McIntyre launching at Sherry with a crossbody, but the momentum carrying the champion over on top. Sherry stealing the win there. That match taking place back on October 23rd in Paris, France. Also this week as an exclusive, taped November 17th in Des Moines, Iowa at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium. Quick matchup here. Only goes four minutes. It's Bam Bam Bigelow with Humper Dink in his corner, scoring a pinfall victory over King Kong Bundy, Bobby Heenan in his corner. So Bam Bam over Bundy in just four minutes. Bundy missing a splash. And Bam Bam going to capitalize, landing his own splash to score the one, two, three here. And if you guys notice a pattern now, I hate to spoil anything because what's to come here on Saturday night's main event, but Bundy essentially gone from the company by the beginning of January. Now he does return for Madison Square Garden show as a replacement in one of the matches. And of course, not too far away from his hometown in Jersey. However, Bundy basically gone from the company at this point. So we're going to see him do a couple jobs here on television on the way out. And now with syndicated TV out of the way, primetime done for the first week of January 88, it's time to head off to the January 2nd, 1988 edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. 1988, my man. 88, a new year for me, a new year for Damien, like two snakes forever eternal. Well, Mr. Fuji and Sika, we'd like to invite you to a New Year's party, especially for you where I plan on changing your futures <laughs> with Damien and the DDT. Hey, Greg, what do you get when you combine Coco Beware and his bird Frankie? I don't know. 
Hey, one bird and one bird brain. <laughs> and tonight, I'm gonna scramble him with the hammer. Strike hard. Strike first. Strike, Strike first. Bolsheviks beware. Tonight, there's gonna be a real Russian revolution. But it'll be your heads that will roll. But to all our fans, here's wishing you a happy new year from the Bolsheviks and Mr. Slick. Peace, brothers. You humanoids better take notes, because I'm only going to say this once. The last time on the main event, the referee forced Andre the Giant to leave the arena. Well, that's not going to happen tonight, because I'm stepping aside. Officially, Andre the Giant will be in the corner of King Kong Bundy. And you know what you call that? You call that Bundy mania. Bundy! 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 mania! That makes me sick just hearing the word. Cheap shot, cheap victory. You're not for real, King Kong Bundy. But I can tell you one thing, man. The prayers, the vitamins, the training. Hulkamania's for real. And even if I gotta go through that big, nasty giant who's been officially put in your corner, I'm gonna prove Bundamania's dead and Hulkamania lives forever. All right, and here we are. Tape back actually December 7th, 1987, but it's airing here January 2nd, 1988 on NBC, so it doesn't happen until it airs, pal. And we are here at Landover, Maryland at the old Cap Center. 13,000 fans in attendance here for this one. And we kicked off that show. Jake the Snake Roberts, we heard him talking about a new year here, perhaps the year of the snake. We'll have to wait and see. We hear the jokesters of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Jimmy Hart, one bird and one bird brain. That one always sticks in my memory for some reason. Strike Force? Mm. Strike Hard. Strike First. Strike Force. Bolsheviks beware. I wrote, bleh. That's the best they could come up with. Also, we hear from the Slickster and his Bolsheviks there. A Russian revolution is on the horizon as we see a caricature of the Bolsheviks in the background. Very scary looking. Also, Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy here. Tonight, Heenan says he's going to be stepping aside. It's Andre the Giant who will be in the corner of Bundy as we will see the beginning of the reign of Bundamania. But not to be outdone by the Hulkster who had to reply, he said, even if he has to go through that no good stinky rotten giant, dude, Hulkster says Bundamania is dead tonight, but Hulkamania will indeed live forever, brother. So perhaps the last time we hear, and uh, you guys didn't hear it here on the show due to copyright reasons, however, I believe this may be the final Saturday Night's Main Event, this 14th installment. Maybe the last time we hear Obsession by Anna Motion played as the intro to Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, if you guys didn't notice, the Slammy Awards actually used the upcoming, the upcoming Saturday Night's Main Event theme that the WWF is going to be changing over to. The one that we will hear for the remainder of the original duration here on NBC heading into 1991. And here we go, your host, Vince McMahon, and yes, indeed, Jesse the Body Ventura here for this one. Vince putting over Washington, D.C. as the premier capital 
in uh, sports entertainment, likely a nod to his father, Vincent James McMahon, running the old D.C. territory. But for right now, it's off to Vince and Jesse as they run down the card, and then from there, they're going to throw it to Mean Gene Oakland, who interrupts Hulk Hogan as he's warming up. Welcome, everyone, to the capital center in Landover, Maryland, serving the sports entertainment needs of the most powerful city in the World Wrestling Federation, Washington, D.C., a city where history is written every day and where history may be written tonight. Hello, everyone. I'm Vince McMahon, along with Jesse Devine Ventura. In behalf of everyone here of Saturday Night's Main Event, we'd like to wish you a very happy New Year. Wait just a minute. Don't you dare speak for me. Happy New Year. Well, it may or may not be a happy New Year for Strike Force as they defend their tag team championship against the Bolsheviks. And I'll tell you a match that I have particular interest in. Jake the Snake Roberts against the Samoan Sika. You know, if Damien sticks his head out of the bag, Sika's just liable to eat him. And another match, Greg the Hammer Valentine's liable to put the figure four on Coco Beware. And for added good measure, he may just snap Frankie's leg too. All right, what about the heavyweight championship of the world, a return match? We have long awaited King Kong Bundy, the challenger, to meet the reigning champion, Hulk Hogan. And don't forget, in Bundy's corner, legally, Andre the Giant. Oh, I haven't forgotten. I'm sure the Hulkster has not forgotten either. Mean Gene Oakland is with him at this moment. All right, heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, in his pre-match warm-up as he prepares for King Kong Bundy with Andre the Giant in his corner tonight. Hulk Hogan, Happy New Year to you. What do you mean, Happy New Year, little man? Right now I'm in shape to crawl from the hottest desert, to swim the deepest sea, to climb the highest mountain. And the only way it would be a Happy New Year is if I was to destroy Bundamania and get my hands on that big, nasty, stinking giant. All right, he is ready. Vince McMahon, let's go back to you. And there was Mean Gene walking in on Hogan doing his pre-match warm-ups, some squats. And Hogan just really doesn't say a whole lot there, but he sounds ready for the matchup tonight. As uh, we get ready for our first match here tonight, we learn it's going to be a WWF Tag Team title match. Yes, indeed, two out of three falls as the champion Strike Force get ready to defend their titles against this team, Nikolai Volkov, Boris Zukov. It's the Bolsheviks, along with their manager, the Doctor of Style, Slick. All right, with me right now are the Bolsheviks, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov, and their manager, the dapper debonair, Doctor of Style Slick. Gentlemen, or, or should I say comrades, tonight's match is with the World Tag Team Champions, Strike Force, and for the title. Slick, you've got to be impressed with Rick Martel and Tito Santana. Impressed? Impressed. Did you say impressed? We are not impressed, we are depressed. That's right, that these little warmongers these little pint-sized Rambos who are going around spreading their capitalistic propaganda to all the brothers and sisters of the world. Well, you know the children ought to be listening to these peace-loving Bolsheviks as they bring their message about good sportsmanship and good citizenship, brother. Well, I don't know about that, Slick, but let's talk about strategy for tonight's big shot at the world titles. Well, you know, as you may have already heard last month, that's it, right here in Washington, D.C., my man, my main man, Gordy, that's Mikhail Gorbachev to you, 
flew right here, brother, to discuss strategy with us. Again, Slick, I've got a question that, if I recall, Gorby, I, I mean, Gor- Gorbachev was here to visit the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. Well, you know, the brother might have had about, right there, Daddy, that much time for running, but he flew here just to see the Slickster and the ambassadors of goodwill, the Bolsheviks. Let's go, comrades. All right, I thank you very much, gentlemen, the Bolsheviks, along with their manager of Doctor of Style Slick. I'm not into geopolitics, but I cannot believe for a moment that the Bolsheviks are peace-loving, and Strike Force should never forget that. Let's go back to you, Vince. So it's peacetime from these Russians as they come for combat. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Slick referring to Gorbachev as Gordy. It's actually Gorby Slick. Slick says he got with Gordy strategizing for this encounter here tonight as the Bolsheviks are going to come out the new WWF Tag Team Champions. As I shudder there, we're off once again now. It's me, Gene Oakland, standing by with the Tag Team Champions, Rick Martell and Tito Santana. Here's Strike Force. Yes, sir, baby. All right, we've all seen how these two men just won the World Tag Team titles. Rick Martell, Tito Santana, the Strike Force. And Tito, you and your partner must be proud. We are, Mean Gene. I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of my partner, baby. Rick Martell, your thoughts on this New Year's holiday weekend. Well, Mean Gene, Tito and I have discussed it. And we're going to make 1988 the year to strike for us. We're going to be striking hard and we're going to be striking with lightning for us. Yeah. All right. Now, those are noble sentiments tonight. Formidable opponents in the Russian Bolsheviks. They are big, powerful men. No doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And that's just the way we like them. We know they're bigger than we are and stronger, but I know what I have deep in my heart, and I know what my partner's got in his heart, baby. With all the world behind us, we hope to be victorious. All right, they are very confident as they go into this tag team title defense. Vince, let's go back to you. So we see a quick clip there reminding us of how Strikeforce captured the tag team titles from the Hart Foundation. It was Rick Martell's Boston Crab on Jim Neidhart scoring the win there as they say they're going to be striking with lightning force here tonight. Eh, got to keep these guys off the mic. And we are off to the ring. Two out of three falls, tag team champion Strikeforce taking on the Bolsheviks, Slickster in their corner. And we kick things off with what else but fall number one. And Jesse Ventura, he says Strikeforce, they can't pull any hair here tonight. Well, maybe Boris's beard, as Tito does indeed start with Zukov. And the champions, with a couple of quick tags, has them firm in control early on. But Big Nick going to tag in to slow things down. Tito, though with a couple of sneaky near falls on both Russians as the commentary jokes about the size of Zukov's cranium never seem to stop. Finally, though, the Bolsheviks lure Martel into the ring, which distracts the referee here, and the Russians double-team Santana to take over. Volkov landing his version of the Russian sickle. Not quite Nikita Koloff there, Volkov, but it'll do. Zukov then in with a back suplex, going to get a two-count, but Boris misses an elbow drop, and Tito making the hot tag out to partner Rick Martell. Martell in a house of fire on Zukov, sending him bouncing around the ring before locking in the Boston Crab. Nikolai Volkov rushing in to put a stop to it, but Santana clocking Big Nick. And just like that, Boris Zukov submits to the Boston Crab, and the champions will win fall number one with fairly relative ease. First fall goes four minutes and 22 seconds. And then we go to commercial break. Back from break, it's fall number two. And the bell sounds as Nikolai has his back turned and eats a drop kick from behind, sending Big Nick over the top rope and out to the floor. And then from there, the champions with a double drop kick on Zukov. Martell right back again into that Boston Crab looking for another quick win. Boy, wouldn't that have been something? 
a second Boston grab win in just a minute's time here. But this time, Nikolai Volkov back inside, breaking up the hold before partner Boris can submit once more. Nikolai going to take over for his team. Guntrich suplex on Martel and the gorilla press into a backbreaker, going to net Volkov a pair of two counts. Before Zukov tagging back in, we get more big head comments as the Russians hammer away, pummeling down on Rick Martel. Eventually, Martel and Nikolai collide, center ring. Both men go down to the mat. Volkov able to tag over to partner Boris Zukov. And to quote Vince McMahon, that idiot Boris just knocked Martel into his own corner to allow him to make the tag to Tito Santana. Yes, indeed, Santana in, blasting both Russians with a pair of drop kicks each. Four drop kicks for those who can't count. And a flying forearm connects on Boris Zukov. Tito going to make the cover. Could it be that easy? One. Volkov, though, in to break it up against saving his partner left and right here. So both Russians in the ring, which brings Martel back inside. But the referee now busy trying to keep Rick Martel at bay as Slick handing off his cane to Nikolai Volkov. Uh-oh. And Zukov holding Santana from behind. Volkov winding up the cane. But Nikolai accidentally blasting Boris with Slick's cane instead. Tito able to get out of the ring. Martel then in, drop-kicking Volkov, sending him out to the floor. And Tito making the cover on Zukov once again. One, two, three. And the Russians, more specifically Zukov, going 0-2 tonight as the champions get the win as they go 2-0. With fall number two going three minutes and 32 seconds. So an attempt here to make Strikeforce look dominant as champions winning two straight falls over another team. But I would have settled for a more competitive match or at least a more quality match. But still cool to get two straight falls that didn't involve disqualifications or countouts. And right now, we're going to throw it off to Mean Gene Okerlund. He's standing by with Mr. Fuji and a jar of mustard. Standing by right now, Mean Gene Okerlund, along with Mr. Fuji, and I believe someone that's with Mr. Fuji. All right, tonight, Jake the Snake Roberts with one of the most devastating moves in all of professional wrestling, the DDT, to meet the Savage Sika, managed by you, Mr. Fuji. What do you got going here? What, what is this? <laughs> This is dinner. What, what do you What do you mean, dinner, Mr. Fuji? Damien. What do you mean, uh, this is dinner for Damien? No, Damien is dinner. You've got to be kidding me. Like a hot dog, Mr. Fuji, please. Oh, like a hot snake. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Said. Come on, Sika. What kind of a battle let's, is this going to be? I cannot believe it. Vince, let's go back to you. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And Vince McMahon giving Sika no props there, throwing it to Mean Genie. He says, it's Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Mr. Fuji, and somebody is with Mr. Fuji. Not even labeling Sika by name there. And then we throw to Gene backstage with Fuji, who is holding a giant jar labeled mustard on the side. And it was so big and ridiculous that they might as well have written Acme on it. Shout out to Looney Tunes fans. We see Fuji dipping a big spoon into said mustard as a five foot long sub bun slowly creeps its way into the picture here. Sika holding that bread, looking to make Damien dinner from what it sounds like there. And Fuji spreading mustard on top of the bread rather than inside. So I guess jungle savages eat their sandwiches a little different than we do as Sika then eats a big spoon of mustard, and they head off to the ring. And right now, we head backstage once more, Mean Gene standing by with the opposition. Here's Jake, the Snake, 
Roberts. All right, uh, Jake the Snake, I'm sure you observe the unusual eating habits of the Savage Seeker. Does, does that concern you at all? Come on, Gene. You know better than that. It doesn't concern me. And it darn sure doesn't concern Damien. Because once you step into that squared circle, you've got to realize something. I respect what you got, but you've got to think about the DDT, the most awesome holding professional wrestling today. So what I'm telling you is this, Seeker. If you think I'm going to walk up to you and slap you in the face and say, take your best shot, you're wrong. Because if I was going to rob a bank, Gene, I would go in the back door where nobody's at home. You're the one that seems a little bit jumpy. Well, of course, of course I'm jumping. Did, did you see that eight-foot butt and all that mustard? Yeah, I see. All that. I'll tell you what I think I'll have Damien do. <laughs> I think I'll have Damien twist Mr. Fuji into a pretzel, and then we'll shove him in the mustard. Huh? All right. All, all this talk of food and steaks and hot dog and buns and mustard, it gives me <laughs> indigestion. Oh, God. And the snake man doesn't seem concerned here tonight, implying the DDT always gets the job done, no matter the opponent. And Damien going to wrap Mr. Fuji into a pretzel. And then they'll dip Fuji in the mustard instead, as it appears Gene is getting sick at the thought of the entire thing. As we head back to the ring for action, Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Sika, the wild Samoan Mr. Fuji in his corner. Vince McMahon wondering on commentary if the DDT will work on the hard head of Sika. Good call, Vince. Sika charges at the snake man early on, but Jake going to the Samoan's arm. Roberts even landing a pair of arm drags. Don't see that every day from Jake. Sika takes over, though, after launching Jake high in the air with a backdrop, and with the referee distracted, Fuji even driving his cane into the ribs of Jake Roberts as well as he lays out on the apron. Then back inside, Sika clawing and headbutting Roberts before it's the deadly trapezius nerve hold of doom. And I wrote, pretty sad for offense here. Lots of back rakes, chest rakes with the fingernails of the Samoan and then into the trap hold. Not a lot, by the way, of Arsenal here in this matchup. It's Jake, though, finally fighting his way free. Sika, though, going for yet another backdrop, but this time Jake countering with his patented knee lift. And then from there, Jake can land those signature snake man jabs. And sensing his man in trouble, Mr. Fuji grabbing the ankle of Roberts from the outside, distracting the snake allowing Sika to jump Jake from the backside. But Sika missing a charge in the corner, and Jake with a schoolboy roll-up. Going to give him the one, two, and three. Jake Roberts goes over in just three minutes and 32 seconds. And I wrote, no DDT? Bummer. But wait, guys. Post-match shenanigans coming. Sika getting knocked out to the floor. Fuji trying to sneak up behind the snake. But Fuji, he gets caught with the DDT. And down and out goes Mr. Fuji. And Damien, out of the bag as well, thrown on top of Fuji, as Sika finally able to pull his manager away to safety. And Fuji back on his feet pretty fast after a DDT. Gotta sell that thing, Fuji. But the best part of the entire thing, Mr. Fuji never lost his bowler hat. Not from the DDT, not during the Damien scuffle. The hat stayed intact. Gotta have props there to Mr. Fuji. And we're two matches into the program, and I have to question the talent being used to get over the top stars here. You had the Bolsheviks for Strike Force, and now a well past his prime Sika for the Snake Man. And I truly don't even know how Sika made it to another Saturday Night's Main event. First it was Hulk Hogan, now it's Jake the Snake Roberts. And the effort on offense from Sika here was next to nothing. Like I said, lots of fingernail raking. And the trap hold, and that was pretty much it. Jake gets the win. The fans get the DDT and Damien. But hopefully we see something more for the snake to do before too long. 
And up next, it's feature match time as the WWF champion Hulk Hogan scheduled to defend his title in a rematch against this man, King Kong Bundy. He's standing by with his manager, Bobby Heenan, and his corner man for tonight, Andre the Giant. If I can have your attention, gentlemen, please. Bobby Heenan, gentlemen, please. Are we to understand tonight, Bobby Heenan, that you will not be in the corner of King Kong Bundy, but instead Andre the Giant will officially be in his corner? Well, you finally got something right, P-Brain. That's correct. You see, because of doctor's orders, I can't be at ringside. But this man, Andre the Giant, will be at ringside, and he'll be in the corner of King Kong Bundy. And then what is Hogan going to face? The only two men that have defeated him, Andre the Giant WrestleMania three and King Kong Bundy on the last main event. Hogan's a fraud. Hulkamania's dead! Bundy, 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 Bundy! Bundy. All right, now, wait a minute, gentlemen. Are we to understand, Bobby Hina, that doctor's orders are keeping you from being in the corner of King Kong Bundy? Or, Heenan, is it something else? Maybe something called fear? Fear? What? No, no. You know something? Hogan grabbed him by the neck and threw him across the ring. But he's not going to do that to me. And he's never going to do that to Andre the Giant. He will never do it against anyone. <laughs> anyone. Never. Come on, guys. All You're right. Make the but family thank proud. you very Better much. Spell. Gentlemen, there is ill will in the air tonight. Now, whether or not that air can be cleared in tonight's spot, I don't know. I really don't know. Vince, let's go back to you. And the brain says... Doctor's orders says Bobby can't be at ringside tonight, even though he's been ringside for other recent matches, like the thievery of Matilda. But whatever you say, Brain. So with Heenan out taking his place tonight, that means Andre the Giant is in, as in in the corner of the challenger, King Kong Bundy, as they proclaim Hulkamania is dead. Long live Bundamania. Bundamania. Boy, that would have been interesting. And right now we head off backstage once more. It's Mean Gene Oakland standing by with the champion himself. Here's Hulk Hogan. All right, he is just moments away from heading to the ring for his first title defense of 1988. World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champ Hulk Hogan. Well, I've had a dark cloud, Mean Gene, over my head in 1987. Struck by lightning one time. Struck by King Kong Bundy. He got his hand raised in victory on Saturday night's main event. And now... With that no good, nasty, stinking giant in his corner, some of my Hulkamaniacs think I might get struck again. But my main man, Ronald Reagan, called a summit meeting of the superpower, man. The superpower of Hulkamania and Reagan together, brother. And when he came to me, it wasn't for battle plans. It was to prove he was a Hulkamaniac. I made him roll up his white collar sleeve. I saw the four-lane highway rolling down his bicep. I saw the lower head blow out the socket of his try. And I said, Ronald Reagan, you're a full-fledged Hulkamaniac with the prayers and vitamins all intact. And now that I've had the summit meeting, that's all I need right here in the nation's capital to wipe out Bundamania forever and to squeeze my way through the ropes and get my hands on that big, nasty giant. Oh, my word, the 24-gun salute is fully loaded. All right, brothers. We see a clip of Hogan attacking Heenan last Saturday night's main event. Of course, after Bobby calls the Hulkster the matchup on Countout. But we have a rematch in place right here, right now. As Hogan talks about his main man, Ronald Reagan. Apparently, Ronnie called a summit meeting. And these superpowers were formed in the nation's capital. Hulk and President Reagan. Ronald Reagan, a Hulkamaniac. Who knew? As we head off to the ring for championship action, it is the champion, WWF champion Hulk Hogan, taking on King Kong Bundy 
And remember, no Bobby Heenan ringside. Uh Uh-uh. Instead, Bundy accompanied to ringside by Andre the Giant. And only Andre could dwarf a guy the size of King Kong Bundy. But that's where we are. As Andre stays out on the floor for Hulk Hogan's entrance, but the two men do point at one another. Perhaps a little foreshadowing there. As we start off the match, it's a test of strength won by the Hulkster. If you can imagine that, Hulk shoving Bundy back into the corner, which upsets King Kong, who comes after Hulk. But Hogan continues on the offense, introducing Bundy's head to all four corner buckles. And then it's the big boot early on in the matchup from the Hulkster, sending Bunny out through the ropes and onto the floor. And Kong finally back inside the ring. Hogan unloads, though, with big elbows and a big clothesline, sending King Kong Bunny right back down to the mat and to the outside once more, this time Bunny looking for a little advice from his corner man, Andre. And Bunny back inside, going to try this thing a third time now, but he has his shots blocked, trying a right, trying a left, Hulkster blocking every shot and unloading with his own big right hands, dropping Bundy yet again back to the mat before the champion goes to a wrist lock. Wow, Hulk Hogan with a wrist lock. Bundy then reversing the wrist lock, yanking the champion down to the mat by, well, what hair he has. And while you don't see that every day, Hulkster busting out a wrist lock and Bundy reversing it. Now that's old school, man. As the Hulkster finally escapes, drilling Bundy with a pair of shoulder blocks, don't seem to budge the big man, and Hogan running into a big back elbow as Bundy takes back over, working over the left python of the Hulkster. But Hogan again finally escapes the armbar with a big body slam, slamming the mass of Bundy mid-match, but misses an elbow drop, does the champion, and Bundy returns the favor by slamming down the Hulkster. But apparently now it's Kong's turn to miss an elbow drop, and Hogan back up, now whipping Bundy into the corner, following in with that patented big clothesline, and the champion going to try the move again, shooting Bundy across the ring, but Kong reverses sending the Hulkster into the corner instead, and in a great spot here. Hogan being sent into the corner, it looks like he may collide with referee Jack Kruger, but Kruger drops down like he's in a wrestling match. Just Jack Kruger drops down, Hogan leaps over him, lands into the corner, so a little tease there. We thought we were going to see a ref bump, but to no avail, Hogan hits the corner hard as Kruger pops back up in front of the Hulkster, but at the same time, Bundy is rushing in with the avalanche splash. And so King Kong Bundy smashing Kruger and Hulk Hogan into the corner with his avalanche there. So great tease. We thought Hogan might be whipped into the referee, but the ref goes down, does a drop down. Remember, guys, Jack Kruger, a former wrestler himself, he did jobs here in the World Wrestling Federation, but he also worked higher up on the roster in places like Portland and the Central States. So Hogan comes rushing in. Kruger does the drop down. Hogan jumps over. Takes the hit in the corner. Kruger pops back up, but Bundy already charging in for the avalanche, and Kruger sadly gets sandwiched in between the two behemoths in the ring. So, needless to say, down goes referee Jack Kruger, and he appears to be out of it, but Bundy not done yet. Going for the big splash on the champion, but Hogan rolling out of the way, and Hulk right back on top. As we see a new referee, it's Dave Hebner replacing Jack Kruger in this matchup, it appears. And Kruger going to get stretchered out as we take a commercial break. And back from break, we see Kruger nearly stretchered out of the arena. And the match resumes as Bundy lands a big clothesline and a knee drop. Going to get himself a two count on the champion. Hulk then tossed to the outside before finally returning into the ring for a King Kong chin lock. But as the Hulkster looks to maybe escape said chin lock, Bundy 
releasing the hold, shoving the Hulkster in the corner, and delivering a second avalanche splash in the matchup. And boy, does it connect, but Bundy does not go for the cover. Instead, Kong taunting the fans and looks to go for it again a second time, which would make it a third avalanche splash in the match. And indeed, connects again, does King Kong Bundy with the avalanche. And with the Hulkster now down and out, King Kong standing over top of him, making a five count on his own. I should point out he did not make the cover during that five count, simply implying that he could have pinned the Hulkster. Why he didn't, we'll never know. But instead, Bundy bouncing off the ropes, looking for the big splash. And it does indeed connect once more. The champion in real trouble now. Bundy going for the cover. One, two. No, the champion kicks out of two avalanches back to back and the big splash to boot. And it's Hulk up time. As if you guys didn't know. As Hogan begins absorbing the blows by Bundy, firing back with hard shots of his own, sending Kong chest first into the corner buckle. Bundy stumbling backwards, taking a bump to the mat, and Hogan going to capitalize with the big leg drop to score the one, two, three. Hulk Hogan will retain the title in 12 minutes' time. And as I mentioned on primetime, this was essentially King Kong Bundy's swan song for the company. Now he will come back to, as a replacement on an upcoming tag team match at Madison Square Garden in a few weeks. But for all intents and purposes, this was the end of King Kong Bundy in the WWF until the fall of 1994, so naturally on his way out, hitting two of his massive avalanche splashes, and then a big splash, and the Hulkster kicking out of all of it to make the big comeback and the clean win, rectifying his loss a couple months ago. And what about all of that tease with Andre the Giant? We didn't see a whole lot from Andre out there, other than him ordering the referee to count Hulk Hogan out faster when he was laying on the outside, or inferring that Hogan submitted while in a chin lock with King Kong Bundy. But post-match, it looks like, well, we may get the showdown after all, guys. Andre slowly teasing, getting into the ring, climbing up the ring steps towards the champion, only for the giant to step back down and seemingly begin to walk away. As Hulk then off to pose for the fans, because Hogan must pose, pal. And as the Hulkster begins to pose, it's Andre the Giant sneaking into the ring from behind, attacking the champion. Andre grabbing what's left of the Hulkster's hair and headbutting him into the back of his skull. And then, as the commentators state, the giant beginning to choke the life out of the champion. As the Hulkster tries to fight free, but to no avail, it appears as if Hogan is being choked out as the British Bulldogs rush to the ring in an attempt to make the save. Yes, indeed, Davy Boy Smith, the dynamite kid, trying to pull Andre off of Hogan, but they can't seem to manage both. Bulldogs grabbing an arm of Andre, but he's not budging. So the duo then hit the ropes for a double clothesline into the back of the giant who no sells the offense, but he does instead release Hulk Hogan from the choke and grab hold of the British Bulldogs. One Bulldog in each hand as Andre sends the Bulldogs into one another, double noggin knocker style, colliding. The former tag team champions, Andre then grabbing them both by the back of the head and simultaneously flinging them out over the top rope and out onto the floor. What a sight to see. The giant manhandling both British Bulldogs at the same time. And then from there, the eighth wonder of the world goes right back on top of the champion, continuing to choke the life out of Hogan as we see Strike Force, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Junkyard Dog 
all heading out to ringside, pulling away at Andre's arms, hammering on the back of the giant who no-sells all four men. And that's Jake the Snake Roberts, the tag team champions, and JYD. Now, on any given night, Andre would likely sell some of their shots, but tonight we're getting over what kind of a monster Andre the Giant truly is. So tonight, he feels no pain as he refuses to release that chokehold on the champion. And next out, it's Ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan to the rescue with an extra long 2x4 here this week. Duggan hitting the ring, cracking the 2x4 across the back of the Giant, not once, but twice. It appears as if it was supposed to break, but it didn't. And Andre lets go of the choke again, but not to sell the 2x4, only to stare Duggan down. And even Hacksaw takes a look at Andre and those crazy eyes, and Duggan even wisely bails out to the floor. And in a bit of unintentional comedy, Hacksaw then slamming his 2x4 in anger on the outside, which now breaks. Yes, half the 2x4 flies up into the air and lands into the crowd. Can we say lawsuit, pal? So obviously the board likely, it was so long, it seemed obvious to me it was likely supposed to break across the back of the giant, but oh well. While Andre, though, is distracted by Duggan, Strike Force and the Bulldogs pull the Hulkster out to safety as Hogan has to be helped to the back by his band of babyface comrades. In our final shot of the segment, we see Andre the Giant standing in the center of the ring holding the WWF title belt over his head before placing it up against his waist. Obviously, Andre coming for that WWF title once again. And a great angle there to jumpstart things. We wondered what was Andre going to do in the matchup with Bundy? Well, he didn't really do anything. It was the shenanigans after the match that make us forget all about Bundy and the sole focus now back on Andre. I'm telling you, the WWF clicking on all cylinders back here in the late 80s. Masterclass booking. Thank you, Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, whoever was involved in all of the, the little fine touches that went into everything. As we still have one more match to get through here tonight. Yes, indeed. And right now we're going to hear from both sides. First, it's Jesse the Body Ventura standing by with Greg the Hammer Valentine and his new manager, Jimmy Hart. Then from there, we're off to Mean Gene Oakland and the Hammer's opponent, the Birdman, Coco Beware. Happy New Year, Jimmy Hart and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Hey, same to you, Jesse. You know, we sure are glad to see you instead of that other moron out here with a microphone. McMahon? No, oh, the little short one. Okerlund. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's around here somewhere. But you know, now that I'm a big movie star, I can do just about anything I want around here. And I want to wish you two the best of luck in your match tonight against Coco Beware and that foul, foul of his... Frankie. <laughs> you know, you always have a way with words, buddy. <laughs> now, Greg, with the new year comes changes. And I, as a journalist, have to keep on top of these changes. And I have to ask you, how's your relationship so far with the mouth of the South? You know something? Things couldn't be better. Jesse, I have never been happier in my entire life. Why anyone would be happier starting the brand new year off with one of the giants of professional wrestling, Jimmy Hart, <laughs> instead of that metal midget Brutus the Fruitcake. You know, Jimmy, it seems like you've really got your wrestler mentally prepared. Well, you know, Jesse, not even Rona Barrett or Barbara Walters gets to the meat of the story any better than you. Come on, Hammer, let's go, baby. Ooh, that's up close and personal, mean Gene, the hot air machine. Eat my dust. Ha! Oh, yeah! All right, I thank you, Rona. I beg your pardon, Jesse. Hey, Coco, beware. 
break the hammer, found a tie to Jimmy Hart. Sure seemed cocky tonight. Wait a minute, Ming Jing. There's nothing against you, Frankie. You see what I think about those dudes? They're nothing but featherweights. Featherweights? What? Featherweights! Hear that, Frankie? Featherweights! Featherweights! You know, it seems to me that Greg the Hammer Valentine and Jimmy Hart talking more about Brutus Beefcake than they are talking about your big matchup. Let me tell you one thing, Mean Gene. You see, I've been around Mr. Barber, and he's been telling me, brother, he's been teaching me how to clip the wings, brother, and that's just what might happen tonight. They are something else. Frankie, and of course, Coco Beware, they're on the way back to you, Vince. All right, so Greg Valentine clearly happy to have Jimmy Hart back as his manager now for 1988. Meanwhile, the Birdman calling Valentine a featherweight. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like maybe the hammer a little more focused on Brutus the Barber Beefcake. But the Birdman says that the Barber taught Coco how to clip Greg's wings. Gotta love those SNME puns, guys. As we head back to the ring for more action, it is indeed Coco Beware taking on Greg Valentine, Jimmy Hart, ringside as well. Oh, and don't want to forget about you, Frankie. As Coco tackles the hammer down to get things going, but runs right into a Greg Valentine stun gun right across the top rope and right out of the gate early in the matchup, a stun gun, perhaps clipping the wings of the Birdman instead. Is Valentine going to try early on for the figure four leg lock, but Coco going to kick Valentine off. And the hammer, though, staying on top, laying in some stiff chops in the corner, and then a top rope double axe handle from the hammer as well. Wow. And then Valentine going to drop the hammer as in his big elbow drop, nets him a two count here over the Birdman, and the action continues on. Valentine going to work over Coco in a chin lock, driving elbows down into the top of the head, the crown of the head of Coco, eventually flinging the Birdman out to the floor. Hey, I thought birds flew. And this action, this offense has been all Greg the Hammer Valentine basically since the get-go here. Is the Hammer going to dominate, landing a clothesline here, getting himself a two count? As it appears, nemesis Brutus Beefcake has seen enough. Yes, indeed, guys, the barber making his way to ringside. And the distraction of Beefer ringside allows Coco a series of surprise quick covers for several near falls on the Hammer. As Valentine finally bailing out of the ring as he orders the officials to force Beefcake away from ringside. And that they do. Beefer being shooed away up the aisle. And with Brutai gone, Valentine right back on top of things here, landing another elbow drop and getting another two count with it. But the hammer going to the top rope a second time in the same match, Greg? Really? And the Birdman, though, meeting the hammer in the corner, going to launch him off. Yes, Coco slamming Valentine off the top rope as Ware begins to make the big comeback, unloading on the hammer, landing a nice drop kick, and the Lawler-esque middle rope fist drop gets the Birdman a two count. But the hammer, though, Countering a headlock, picking Coco up by the leg, dropping him down into a shin breaker, holding onto that leg and turning it in to the figure four leg lock. And there it is, the hammer's finisher. Figure four applied on the Birdman. Coco, though, not going out without a fight, swinging rights and lefts towards the hammer, but he simply can't reach him while in the figure four. And eventually, Coco succumbs to the figure four. Yes, indeed, the Birdman will submit. And Valentine picks up the win. 7 minutes and 18 seconds. Now, as he wins the matchup, Greg forced to break the figure four momentarily, but again, locks it back on post-match as the Birdman in all kinds of trouble, the hammer trying to do to Coco what he attempted to do to Beefcake just a few weeks back. And speaking of the barber, out comes Brudeye once again, this time with hedge clippers in hand, 
Brudite darting into the ring with hedge clippers, which immediately forces Valentine to release the figure four out of the ring and to the back goes the hammer, and I can't blame him there. Now, Jimmy Hart, he tries to bail as well, but Coco grabbing hold of Hart's ankle, refusing to let him leave the ring. Coco having flashbacks of Memphis there, I do believe. And after Brudite chases the hammer all the way to the backstage area, Beefcake returns, and Brudite going to cut some of the hair of Jimmy Hart with his hedge clippers, of all things. Don't see that too often. And he cuts it right off the top. Oh, poor Jimmy. Wasn't so lucky to get away with a little cut, a little snip off the back. No, it's hedge clippers cutting Jimmy Hart's hair right off the top. Before Hart finally able to run away, Greg Valentine meeting him center aisle, helping his now embarrassed manager to the backstage area. Whew, a little bit to unwrap here. Now, I was expecting maybe a sleeper match because Coco could still go at this point. I really thought this might have some potential because Valentine really has seen a resurgence since going back to singles action. And to be honest with you, the match itself, it wasn't that bad, but it was just treated like an extended squash, for lack of a better term. Greg Valentine just dominating the action. Coco really only came back thanks to Brudeye showing up ringside, and that didn't even last too long, as it appears the Birdman stock has definitely dropped in recent months, even with singing the Piledriver song. But the match does manage to get Valentine over as a solid singles figure again here in the World Wrestling Federation and continues to push the Hammers feud with Brutus Beefcake. And that's going to wrap it up as far as the matches go here on this edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. But we still got a couple of sound bites left for you guys as we head backstage right now. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant, I've got to say quite candidly, your actions against the heavyweight champion of the world, totally on cold. You're smiling, Bobby Heenan. Andre, I can't believe you. You know, Jim, it feels so good when that choke him in there. Oh, I was enjoying myself, Jim. Please. You don't believe it. Well, I'd like to do it again and again and again. And when I go to stop, that'd be the time when I get that belt worn by Wes. What is All he? All the time I'm going to stop. Talking about Bobby Heenan. What do you mean what he's talking about? Don't be stupid. You know what he's talking about. Choking the heavyweight championship right away from Hulk Hogan. 1988 is going to be my year. It's going to be a new year for the Heenan family. It's going to be a new year for Andre the Giant. And there's going to be a new heavyweight champion of the world, Andre the Giant. Oh, I've got plans, Andre. I've got big plans. I'm going to make you more money than any wrestler in the history of wrestling, any athlete in any sport. And I'm that close from cinching the biggest deal in the history of sports. Like I said, a new year for me, a new year for him, and a new heavyweight champion of the world. And I'm going to take that belt, Andre. And I'm gonna hand it, I'm gonna hand it to you on a platter like that, and you can squeeze it right away from Hogan. <laughs> Saturday night's main event continues after this. Now, noticeably absent from that promo was King Kong Bundy here, obviously writing him right out. The Bundy angle, merely a pawn in the bigger picture. As Andre the Giant says, he enjoyed himself choking out the WWF champion, and he wants to do it again. And the next time he does so, Andre the Giant will be the new WWF champion. As as we heard them proclaim, a new year, a new champion. Is Bobby Heenan making mention of big money and being close to sinking the biggest deal of their life? Hmm, I wonder what that could mean. 
As we close out that segment, Andre softly strangling Gene as we fade to black. And then coming back from break, one final interview here. Actually, we're at the close of the show. Mean Gene Oakland and Jesse Ventura with an update on the condition of the WWF champion, Hulk Hogan. All right, Jesse, the body mentor, I see a big smile on your face. I'll oh, yeah. tell you, I loved it. Andre the Giant with his hands around the neck of the chump Hogan. You know the only bad thing about it? It was not a title match because if it would have, the Giant would have choked him down and right now would be champion of the world. But I don't have to tell you about getting choked out. He tightened your tie from the backside and it's a good thing he didn't put no pressure on you. Well, let me tell you one thing, Jesse the Body Ventura, in the adjacent locker room right behind us, Hulk Hogan, the champion, is recuperating from injuries sustained by those actions of Andre the Giant. I've consulted with the medical staff. They have told me at one point they thought that Hogan would require some supportive breathing device. Then later on, even the possibility of a tracheotomy. However, that's not necessary. Hogan is breathing on his own at this point in time. He has he's sustained, breathing on his own. He has sustained damage to the windpipe and perhaps a crushed learning. Well, he's breathing on his own, but at least one thing is good. I won't have to listen to that bragger anymore because he won't be talking and he won't be posing, Mean Gene. All right, Jesse Ventura, I thank you. Saturday night's main event returns. This will be the year of the Giant. After this. I can feel it. So as you can hear there, a laughing Jesse Ventura. He loved it. Ventura always happy when Hogan pays. There was discussion of Hogan possibly needing a tracheotomy. Really, Vince? But he wound up breathing on his own once again. And that concludes this edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. A big angle there as Phil Collins takes us home. Now, my final thoughts on this edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. It's a little hodgepodge because not very much in the way of good wrestling action. And I'm not really sure why they're moving away from really big matches and trying to stack the box a little more, having a couple of big matches and and even maybe more competitive or, or good stuff in between. I'm not trying to rip on anybody involved, but... This was really done to get over a lot of stars, not even the stars that we're, we're accustomed to. We've been trained lately to believe they're trying to get over. In the way, Jake Roberts, yes, Jake Roberts scores a pretty quick win over Sika in a, in a nothing matchup. Fun stuff with Mr. Fuji afterwards. Strike Force gets stuck with the Bolsheviks of all teams. And I get you wanted to put him over strong. Two falls in a row. I like the call there. I think the match would have been better with the Conquistadors even but I get you're going for a higher level of caliber of talent, at least as we perceive them to be. And of course, managed by Slick, Nikolai, a former tag team champion, the far more established star. So it's Boris taking both losses, both by submission and pinfall, saves a little face in the second fall, gets hit with a cane by his own partner. Nevertheless, Strikeforce still dominated as tag team champions. Greg Valentine, like I said, an extended squash against the Birdman. I would like to have seen Coco do a little more there. But I get what they're doing. They're more focused on getting the hammer back over in singles competition. Really, until I went back and did this project the last the last month and a half or so of 87 and now moving into 88, I hadn't realized how hard they worked to try to help the hammer get back over to that singles push that he wanted. Remember, the story was that he was leaving. He gave notice to Vince that I've been talking with Crockett and I'm going back to the NWA and Vince did not want to lose Greg Valentine for whatever reason. And He says, no, no, what do you need? You don't want to be in a tag team anymore, a tag team that's going nowhere very fast with Johnny V as the manager. Instead, he's uh, fixed up, cleaned up, repackaged once again with his former manager, Jimmy Hart, in singles competition, immediately given a feud with his former partner, Brutus Beefcake, who also needed a feud. So it only makes sense for the short term anyway. 
So I guess what I'm saying is the hammer meant more here at the turn of 87 into 88 than I realized for many years. And I'm on the train for right now, as long as his work rate holds up. But the big story here, it wasn't Hogan and Bundy. That Again, like I said, it was a pawn in the bigger story, the bigger picture being the feud with Andre the Giant. Hogan beats Bundy. Andre wants the belt. Why would he want Bundy to win the title? Is it all in the family really brain? I don't know. Remember King Kong Bundy gone after this. We see him eat the pin. One, two, three. Clean pinfall from the champion. Hogan kicking out of two avalanches and a big splash. Exclamation point on the end of Bundy's run. They knew Kong was leaving. What a good way to go out. And I'm sure he got a decent payday for his troubles as well. There's a lot worse ways you can get shut out of the WWF. So yeah, the big story here is Andre the Giant right back in the thick of things here, choking the life out of the Hulkster. Vince and Jesse said it themselves. But the real question is Bobby Heenan talking about sinking the biggest deal of his life, making the most money of his life. What was he talking about there? I don't think we'll have to wait long to find out. But nevertheless, right now we know Hogan's next challenge may once again be Andre the Giant, and just in time for another WrestleMania. And this, guys, was only week one, 52 weeks here in 1988. And this is a leap year, so we've even got an added day. So lots to come. Remember, next week I'll be back talking January news, all the storylines going on in the ring and behind the scenes here as we kick off 1988. We'll also take a look at all of the live event results in the month of January as well. Lots of big things happening there. Got to pay attention to what's going on. Plus, still four more weeks of January TV and the Royal Rumble, January 24th. So many things happening right now. The wheels are spinning. We know in February it's going to be the main event, the first ever Friday night main event on NBC, airing live in prime time. And all of that going to take us to WrestleMania 4. So hang with me, guys. Another fun ride here as the 1988 project is just getting started. But that's it for this week. Be back soon, guys. More 1988 and the WWF right around the corner. Want to wish everyone once again a happy Thanksgiving and a reminder to follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. Follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And subscribe, YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And last but not least, please, guys, if you can, give it a try. Talking about that $5 all-access tier over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. All sorts of gifts for just five bucks. And with all of that said, this has been your host, Ray Russell, saying from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! the fucking potatoes! <laughs>